I became interested in crime long before psychiatry. Actually, it was more like rap, then crime, then psychiatry. From my early teenage years in the 90s, I would sit in awe listening to Cypress Hill, House of Pain and the Wu-Tang Clan openly and shamelessly rap about dealing drugs, beating up people or even killing them. These artists tickled my fascination with crime, but Snoop Doggy Dog blew my mind. He has since dropped the doggy, perhaps sensing his moniker was excessively canine. Not only was Dr. Dre's production increasingly bold and funky, but Snoop's message was clear. The same man who now appears in cameos in Hollywood films and prances around in Just Eat adverts, unequivocally rapped about drinking gin and juice, smoking cannabis, killing for little or no reason, and having carnal relationships with a variety of impressionable women without having the courtesy to call them the next day. Of course, I cannot now condone these hugely misogynistic and violent views, but at the time, it was the audacity of his message rather than the content that had me glued to the stereo, volume down when my parents were home as they would not tolerate the profanity. The sheer nerve of it all fascinated me. I grew up in a sheltered and strict household in a boring, if idyllic, village named Poynton in Cheshire, where danger was represented by a particularly high rope swing. Police sirens, gang rivalry and prison stabbings were all elements of a surreal fantasy world. My mother was a secretary for a company that made earplugs, then later on a secretary for a university lecturer. My father was a chemical engineer whose job was, bizarrely, to formulate less carcinogenic and quicker drying glues for cigarettes. They'd come over from India to London in the early 60s, separately, and were unique amongst their many siblings in having had a love marriage as opposed to an arranged one. They suffered blatant racism and discrimination. After facing a number of doors being slammed in their faces, figuratively and literally, their dream of integration and acceptance were replaced by domination and success, an approach that we have different perspectives to to this day. As is the Indian way, my parents were obsessively invested in my and my older sister's futures. As I was intelligent and had an affinity for science subjects, they pushed me to go into medical school, even though I was immature and frankly indifferent. They came from a country with no welfare state, so education was paramount. It could be the difference between a comfortable life and literally starving to death on the street. They would make me do extra studying for several hours most days to stay ahead of my peers and the school curriculum. Of course, I now appreciate it was their support and encouragement more than my tepid motivation that propelled me to medical school and beyond. But at the time, I resented the enforced studying. I only cared about riding my bike, then later about martial arts and video games, and eventually about buying booze with fake IDs and going to parties. Like many of my peers, I developed a penchant for violent films in my early teens. This was amplified by Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo, which to me was the greatest invention since fire. Better even. I now have a full-size Street Fighter 2 arcade machine set up in our kitchen, a saw for my wife's eyes and the apple of mine. Having not yet refined my taste for story arcs and character development, I found not only Jean-Claude Van Damme's acting acceptable, but his 720-degree spinning kicks amazing. Given that my parents were much stricter than my friends in terms of my curfew, the company I kept, my extracurricular activities, and my financial independence, rather inexplicably, they had absolutely no qualms in allowing me to hire 18 certificate videos every Friday night from Blockbusters, RIP, from my early teens. It was the violence that drew me in. 
Robocop, Terminator 2 and Boys in the Hood had left a dent in my impressionable mind. As they once pulled me out of my dull, textbook-heavy life as a young teenager into a fantasy domain, I was oblivious to the fact I would be regularly rubbing shoulders with violent offenders two decades later. Keen to get as far away as possible from soporific Cheshire, I attended Edinburgh Medical School in 1997 from the age of 18 to 24. I had the same level of street cred as a choir boy, but the determination to reinvent myself. I drifted aimlessly throughout my degree. The attitude of my friends and me was, shall we say, atypical. Instead of an opportunity to learn our craft and occasionally socialise, we treated university as one big party, occasionally inconvenienced by pesky lectures and clinical attachments. Attendance was the bare minimum to avoid getting kicked off the course. Nowadays, attendance is far more fervently overseen, but back in my day, on the rare occasion where we had to sign in, like when examining cadavers for our anatomy module, we would select the equivalent of a designated driver to peel themselves out of bed, suppress their hangover and sign all of our names.